You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, canine crusader for animals and environment. Max and I thank you for joining us, and we dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals. Deborah Roseman, author of the upcoming book, The Chimpanzee Chronicles, Spellbinding Stories from Behind the Bars, is our guest today. Deborah was kind enough to let me read the manuscript of The Chimpanzee Chronicles, and I must say I've seldom been so moved as I was by her writing. When we return from our break, Deborah will share with us why she wrote the book, some amazing insights to the world of captive chimpanzees, and more. But first, let's hear from those great folks who make Max A. Pooch's awesome animal advocates possible. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm Keith Sanderson, your host. And welcome to Deborah Rosamond, one of Max A. Pooch's favorite animal advocates. Thank you for joining us today, Deborah. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the air with you. And it's great having you. And as I said, you know, I read your manuscript and I I was really almost overwhelmed by what I read. And for our listeners, can you share with us a little bit about your background and why you decided to write the Chimpanzee Chronicles? Sure. Well, who doesn't love chimpanzees? You know, everybody loves primates, including myself. And when I was really little, you know, I used to go to the Bronx Zoo all the time and my parents would leave me in the in the primate section and come back for me later. So I've always been enamored with them. And I, in the 80s, I actually owned an event planning business in New York City, and I hired a baby chimp who came into the party. She was the hit of the party. She came in on roller skates, and I didn't know that I was part of a, a problem. So... We go many years later, I got sick. My immune system collapsed after repeated exposures to pesticides. And I walked the labyrinth of illness for about 10 years. I became homeless. 
I was so, so ill. I was in isolation myself from, from this illness. And during that time, I really knew what it was like to be behind my own bars, looking out into a world that I couldn't be part of. And I started to have dreams. And chimpanzees came to me in my dreams. Then I started reading everything I could get my hands on. And I was actually shocked, shocked to find out what was happening with captive chimpanzees today. So I decided that I had to do something. And I literally made a vow right then and there to be part of the solution, not part of the problem anymore. And, you know, I thought, what can I do to help people wake up? I have a background in therapy, and um, I started, I, I met Jane Goodall, actually, in 2005 here in Santa Fe, and I started the next year uh, Project Sweet Dreams, and I've been going into schools since then, working with grades one through six, teaching children about humane ethics and compassion through the study of great apes. So I've been teaching them how to do fundraising and get the community involved and what they can do for animals. And it's so adorable even to see the little ones, you know, first graders working on all these things. That's an amazing story. And, you know, it's, I think, one of the, the attributes of the advocate. They're looking for solutions rather than complaining about the problems. Deborah, how many chimpanzees are being kept in labs or research facilities? Do you have any idea? I do. I don't have an exact amount, but somewhere around 1,100-ish are there now. There are a number of large facilities that have Let's see, the Alamogordo Primate Facility, they're not doing any invasive research, but they have about 160. And then the MD Anderson Cancer Center, I think it's called the Michael E. Keelan Center that's affiliated with, with them, they have about 170. And then there's a facility in Louisiana called the New Iberia Research Center, and they have, they had like 359, but they're in the process of moving some chimps to sanctuary. So after the chimps get moved, they'll have about 250 left. And then there's a center in Atlanta with 85, that's Yerkes, and there's the Southwest National Primate Research Center in San Antonio, and that's they have about 150. That's really an amazing number of uh, chimpanzees when you consider you know, how low the wild population is. That's right, and if you also consider how much it costs for, you know, from our tax dollars to keep them there. And chimpanzees really have been found to be exceedingly poor models for human disease research. So, and, and where do these facilities get the, or obtain their chimpanzees? Well, there are many chimps right now, and they're old, and they're sitting in these labs, and they were captured in Africa. So they were captured as babies and brought here just for that purpose. And that's a whole story in itself, because in order to get a baby you have to kill the whole family because chimps are extremely social and, you know, they're protecting the baby. And then other chimpanzees are gotten through the entertainment industry and private owners. Because what happens when you own a little baby chimpanzee? They're adorable, but they grow up. And when they get to be about seven years old, they are too difficult to handle because they're wild animals. So they can hurt you without even trying. And you know, the chimpanzee owners, 
then don't know what to do with them, and often they end up in medical research. Oh, wow. Hey, there's stories about chimpanzees learning sign language. Are they really learning signing as a language, or is it more of a chimpanzee see, chimpanzee do? And I think you gave an example early in your book that you believe is evidence that, that chimpanzees really use signing as a language. Can you share that example with us? Sure. Keith, this is really amazing. It is not chimpanzee see, chimpanzee do. They are actually communicating. They learn ASL, American Sign Language, often when they're babies and they're, they're being home-reared, meaning they're, you know, they're being brought up as human children. And they learn sign language early on, and they communicate with humans like that. It's absolutely amazing. There's a place in Washington, and they had five signing chimps. Now they have two left. But I think that was the only place where they did this experiment, because all the chimps signed, and they had a little baby. And they decided not to speak English in front of the baby and not sign so the baby would just be communicating with the family. The family, they all knew sign language, taught the baby sign language. That's amazing. Now, you mentioned a chimpanzee, Bruno, and I thought that was really compelling evidence that not only do they sign, but they really can remember. Yeah, Bruno was brought up as a, a human child as well and then ended up in research when he got too big to handle. Very, very, very sad story. But um, and he ended up in a place called Lemzip, which is, is not there anymore in New York. And he knew his name. And then somebody went in many, 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 many years later. Actually, it was Dr. Mark Bodemer. He went in and to work with the lab to help them make enrichment activities for the chimps. And he met Bruno. And Dr. Bodemer spoke sign language. So he said to Bruno, you know, hello. And the first thing that Bruno said to him, that Bruno signed to him, was key out. That and is amazing. Dr. Bronimer couldn't believe it. And he asked again, and Bruno kept saying, out, out, key out. So That is amazing. How many years are some chimpanzees kept in what amounts to solitary confinement in research facilities, Deborah? Oh, do you know that some chimps have been in tiny cages in research for close to 50 years. Did you say five zero, 50 years? I did. I did. Close to 50 years. Let's say 40 to be 100%. But yeah, close to 50. It's pretty horrible. Well, but yeah, I didn't even realize they lived that long. Actually, chimps in captivity, if they're healthy, can live to late 50s, early 60s. That is just amazing. Deborah, we need to take a break so our audience can hear from the folks who help bring Max A. Pooch's awesome animal advocates. And when we return, we'll continue with this fascinating conversation with Deborah Rosamann, author of the soon-to-be-released book, The Chimpanzee Chronicles, Spellbinding Stories from Behind the Bars. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Go to PetcoDeals.com and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetcoDeals.com. 
but that's not all. Are you talking to me? Get like radio listeners. Try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. Go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Back today. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Jungle deep, 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 deep. When I talk about exotic animals, I am not talking about goats and salamanders. No. This is Dr. Jones of the Jungle Deep Podcast. On my show, we explore the jungle, searching for the most exotic, most endangered animals on Earth. If you love nature and her creatures like I do, listen to Jungle Deep. Jungle deep, 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 deep. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. I'm Keith Sanderson, your host, welcoming you back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates and our guest, Deborah Roseman. Deborah, even though these animals may suffer as you claim, isn't it worth it for the greater good? I mean, specifically the human lives that have been saved or will be saved through medical research and the sacrifice chimpanzees have made. Doesn't that justify this? Absolutely, positively, no. As I had mentioned before, the chimpanzees are really poor models. There's been no advances made with the use of chimpanzees, and they've been used specifically, well, they've been used for every kind of research. I mean, just horrible, horrible, horrible things, but um, they started really upping the breeding. I think it was in the, the late 80s around, you know, when AIDS, the AIDS epidemic was really going, and chimpanzees have been found to, you know, carry the disease, but carry HIV, but not get AIDS, and then they've been using a lot of hepatitis studies. And these are invasive, invasive procedures. And they've been found to be very poor models. So it is absolutely not justified on that end. And then it's not justified because they suffer. We share between 96 and 98% identical DNA with chimpanzees. But the difference is really staggering. And it's the difference that makes them poor models. But we sharing the similarities... They are sentient beings. They're intelligent, they're emotional, and, you know, they're just like us. They feel all the same emotions that we do, every single one of them. And many chimpanzees have actually had nervous breakdowns from being in these horrible conditions for so long. And I believe that we have broken their their bodies and their spirits by forcing them 
to live in our world, you know, with little, if any, consideration for who they are as as individuals and, and a culture. And if there's such poor models, why do respected scientific institutes still continue to use them? Do you have any explanation for that? Yeah, there would be, there's money involved often. You know, they get paid very handsomely to do research. And I think that a lot of people are stuck in old models. And I think everybody who's doing research, they just haven't opened up to who they're actually doing research on. So if they opened their eyes and really looked at the chimpanzee, they would see that it's like forcing a human being to live in a tiny little cage and do all these invasive treatments on them. I know I talk about in my introduction a Kristen Bernard, the heart surgeon, and he performed a heart plant using a chimpanzee donor. You know, he changed his mind when he saw the attachment between chimpanzees. You know, he took one chimpanzee and he was putting him under and the chimpanzee was just crying and whining and just really, really in, in distress. And when he removed that chimp from the cage, next door, his next door neighbor chimpanzee was inconsolable for days and went into a deep depression. I recall reading that. That was reminding me so much of a human. I mean, here the, these two chimps were close. they only two chimps in confinement and close to each other. And I, if I recall, you said they developed a real bond between each other. And they then, did. They did. The chimpanzees were friends. And, uh, but it just goes to show that when you really are ready and that you open your eyes to what is in front of you, you know, you can't, you can't keep going down the same path. And that's what happened with that surgeon. He decided he would never experiment on chimpanzees again. That's some evidence uh, right there of the impact. And I think reading, uh, I could see some of that. Some of the people that are in the Chronicles that uh, have contributed to them did work with primates and, and got out of that business, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so many people, like myself, you know, I hired a chimp, and then it's like, what am I doing? And, and I'm hoping that this book will really awaken people, awaken people's eyes and hearts to, to the issues confronting, you know, these chimpanzees today. And I have to tell you, it costs a lot of money to keep chimpanzees in federal laboratories. So uh, I heard somewhere, well, I read somewhere that like tens of millions of dollars would be saved when we ban breeding and invasive research. And we're really close, Keith. We're really close. There's a bill right now in Washington called GAPSCA, the, the Great Ape Protection Cost Savings Act, and it's sitting right now, you know, in Congress, in the Senate, and this bill, when it's passed, will actually retire all federally funded chimps in research. Then, of course, all the other ones that are in private research have to come out as well. But it's a very, very, very important bill. Well, that's interesting. And, you know, you mentioned, and I remember reading about when you hired that uh, chimpanzee girl and yep. how it was a hit of the party and coming out on roller skates. And I think we're all endeared about the sight of performing chimpanzees. What's their life really like? Whoa, their life is not good. Chimps are not actors. They're not. And, you know, when they're forced to perform in circuses and, and learn certain acts to do whatever, whether they're in TV commercials, movies, it's not a natural thing. So chimps, 
and especially as they start to get older, you know, they, they are very, they're not happy. So they are being chimps and they react and they are treated awfully. There's a story in my book, I don't think you read it in the manuscript, by someone who actually, a lawyer, and she went undercover for a year and watched the beatings and people, you know, doing all kinds of horrible things to, to the Be- Beatings? Do you mean they beat those little chimpanzees? Or? Yeah, usually not the babies when the chimp starts to get a little bit older when they're a few years old. Yeah. Yep, they get beat, you know, there have been cigarette burns, there have been, I mean, unbelievable things. And I want to say, we're talking about chimpanzees today, but this is true for many, many other performing animals, so. And I suppose for any of the primates, uh, orangutans, uh, they're, they're seen quite a bit as performing animals. They, I imagine at a certain age, have to uh, be given to, uh, something has to be done with them. Is that true? This is absolutely true, and there's one sanctuary in Florida, an amazing sanctuary called the Center for Great Apes, and the founder and director is Patty Reagan, and she has many, 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 many of the entertainment chimpanzees and orangutans. So even Bubbles, who was Michael Jackson's chimpanzee, you know, Bubbles is there, and yeah, people don't think about it. You know, people just watch them on TV, watch them in movies, but they don't think about what's actually happening. The chimpanzees don't get paid. The entertainment company gets paid, so no one's looking out for the long-term care. You know, what happens to the chimp when it's too old to perform? And that's where they end up in medical research. They end up in substandard zoos. They could end up in roadside zoos. It's um, it's not a pretty picture. Yeah, I guess, you know, we see those cute little chimpanzees running around and we say, wow, isn't that neat? Never suspecting that when they get a little older. When I was a kid, I remember thinking, that's as big as they got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We grew up like that, right? I mean, we read stories about monkeys, you know, Curious George, and, you know, we were all enamored with them, including myself. So it's shocking when you really learn. And that's why I wanted to write this book, because there's there's not another book like it. I mean, this is really giving a voice to what is happening with captive chimpanzees today. And I'm I'm hoping, that's why I'm self-publishing the book. It's finished now, and I want to get the book out very, very quickly so I can get a copy in the hands of all the senators <laughs> in Congress, and, you know, hopefully this can affect, hopefully I can be a small part of, of a solution. Well, that's what I found uh, interesting about the Chronicles, because it wasn't just your opinion. It was, you know, the stories of experts, of people who had worked with the animals, who were disgusted with what had happened who, um, different points of view, so you just couldn't say, well, it's Deborah, and that's what she thinks, you know, here's a whole montage of different times, different places, different facilities, and uh, the stories, they end the same for the chimpanzee, not too good. Right, right. When did you say uh, you're planning release for the Chimpanzee Chronicles, Deborah? Planning release in September, and uh, I'm running an Indiegogo campaign right now. And people can just go to, you know, Indiegogo and, and find me or go to my website, which is chimpanzeechronicles.com, and find out about that. So, yeah, hopefully we will all have a book in our hands by September. 
That will be great. And uh, what else can I do if I wanted to support the efforts of advocates for chimpanzees and other primates? You know, if you go to my website under sanctuaries, I have a whole list of all the sanctuaries, chimpanzee, you know, primate sanctuaries that are in the United States, Canada, and um, around the world. So, you know, many in Africa. And you can click on their website and find out about them, who the chimps are that are there, and what they need. There's so much we can do. In, in my book, I'm going to have a resource guide. It's called A Call to Action. And I'm going to list, you know, many ways in which people can get involved. So, you know, people can make a donation, a monetary donation. People can help to support their wish list. They can get children involved in making a little enrichment parties. I actually have a story by a little seven-year-old boy. Oh, actually, he just turned eight. <laughs> and he's been working. He's been speaking out on behalf of chimpanzees since he was two. He is an incredible little guy, and since he was uh, maybe three, he's been collecting all kinds of things to bring to the zoo for the captive chimpanzees. And, you know, if he can do this, others can too. So there's just a myriad ways of contributing. Well, that's great. Deborah. I ask each of my guests this question. Some critics may question that with all the human misery there is in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, and research advocating for animals such as primates and chimpanzees? You know, there is such suffering in the world that is, it's so great. And personally, I see absolutely no difference between human being animals and other animals and primates. Well, all animals really, but for this conversation, primates. I believe that we all have souls, and every animal has the inalienable right to be safe, free, and live with dignity. And because of that, we need to help the animals as well. So there's no difference to me in helping children who are homeless and starving to helping chimps in labs. It's what each person comes to on their own, you know, whatever is really moving them in the depths of their own heart. But I see no difference, so we all need help. That's a great answer, Deborah, and uh, we thank you so much for being with us today. You're a great guest, and uh, we're going to be on the lookout for your book, The Chimpanzee Chronicles, in September. And I also want to thank all our listeners for spending their valuable time with us. You're all fantastic. And again, thank you to Deborah Roseman for being with us. And special thanks to Mark Winter, co-founder and executive producer of Pet Life Radio, and our sponsors for making this episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates Possible. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, saying so long until we meet again. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.